Today, uh, I want to talk to you, bring you a message we've entitled, Tales from the Dark Side. And I want to talk to you literally about the most fearsome subject in the Bible, the subject of hell. It's mentioned in the Bible, by the way, over 200 times. Jesus mentioned it over 30 times. In, in fact, Jesus gave more detail. In fact, theologians say it like this, that 90% of all we know about hell, we know from Jesus. Pretty amazing. Uh, literally the most descriptive word used in the Bible, Greek word, about the subject is hell. It's only used 12 times, and Jesus uses 11 of them. Uh, it's not a subject that Jesus stayed away from. In, in fact, he said, I'm going to tell you who you should fear. Fear the one that after you've died can throw you into hell. Proverbs 20, 16, 25, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is the way of death. Uh, what, what this is saying is this. We can all have our own philosophy we can have our own morality. We can say, well, this, this, is, this will work and that will work. But what it's saying is this, there's just one way that works. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Now, I wanted to say this, what, what was said earlier, God loves you. God wants no one to go to hell. Jesus said in Matthew 25 that hell was made for the devil and his angels. But if a person dies and they're not right with God, it's the only place that they can go. In eternity, there are just like two addresses, heaven and hell. It's going to be one or the other. Right? And it is, it's a permanent location. In Matthew 25, 46, Jesus said, these will go to everlasting punishment. How long? Everlasting. everlasting. But the righteous to eternal life. Now, the word everlasting and the word eternal, they're both the same Greek word. So Jesus is saying that there is an eternal life or eternal heaven, right? but he's also in the same sentence saying that there is an eternal punishment. You can't have an eternal heaven without an eternal punishment. Jesus put them both together exact same sentence right so revelation 14 the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever and they have no rest day and night no rest day and night the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever the subject of hell is undoubtedly the most neglected subject in the bible today I believe you can go to church all your life and never hear, never hear one sermon on the subject of hell. But yet it is a reality. What, what Solomon said, speaking about grief, he said, it's better to be in the house of mourning than in the house of feasting because death is the destiny of every man and the living should take it to heart. He's saying when, 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 when you're in grief, you can go to the house of drinking, of partying, and you can try to forget your sorrows, the grief. Or he can do, he says, it's better to be in the house of mourning. It's better to face the facts and realize they died, I'm going to die. 
Death is the destiny of every man. Now, here's the crazy thing. We prepare for everything, right? I mean, it, it, we, we think ahead. I mean, some of you, you're going to think more about what you're going to have for lunch in this whole sermon. You're thinking ahead, right? You're thinking about, man, tonight I'm going to do this. I'm going to watch this television program, and next week we're going to do that, and we're going to go on vacation here, and, and you know, I've got health insurance, and I've got car insurance, and, and I've got life insurance, and I've got, I've got everything. You, you, you plan out for every eventuality except the one for sure. But someday you're going to die. You're going to stand before God. Right? The Bible says the living need to take it to heart. Because once you die, it is too late. Right? The Bible teaches this all over. But once you die, you are sealed for all of eternity. No negotiating. You're sealed. Uh, our friend Rick Renner, who, who comes here occasionally, has an expanded version or translation of the New Testament. 2 Thessalonians 1.9. A verdict will be issued in God's court of law, and a sentence will be passed. We're calling all those who rejected the gospel to pay the consequence of eternal destruction. This does not mean they will cease to exist. However, in eternity, they will lose the meaning of existence, for they will be separated from the presence of the Lord, far removed from his glory. And it will be too late for his mighty strength to reach down and save, rescue, and deliver. Again, in Hebrews 2 and verse 14, it says that Jesus came in a flesh and blood body just like yours to redeem you. And you can only receive the redemption that he purchased for you while you live in a flesh and blood body. Hell is a place with no hope, with no mercy, with no peace, with no purpose, with no rest. The Bible says there's torment day and night forever and ever. In Proverbs, Solomon said, surely there is a hereafter. When you die, it is not the end, right? And interestingly, Jesus literally pulls back the veil and shows us what happens when someone dies. I don't know anybody who's died and come back. Maybe you do, I don't, right? But Jesus literally pulls back the veil. And he says, this is what happens. Now, when I think about the Bible, and I think this is probably true of you, I think this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it's literally like God's word coming down from heaven. Right? That's what I think of the Bible, God's word. Right? But there is a small portion of the Bible that is actually someone speaking and it's coming up from hell. Right? And, and we actually get to hear what they say. So I want to read where Jesus pulled back the veil, Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. It says, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. Now, this is not a parable. When Jesus would do a parable, he would say something like this. He'd say, the kingdom of heaven is like. Right? But Jesus didn't do that. He said, there was a certain man and there was a rich man, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. I mean, he is giving an actual account, right? This is not a parable. It says, desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was the beggar died, was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom or Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades... 
he lifted up his eyes. He saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now, now just so that everybody stays with me here. Right? Hades is not hell. Right? Hades is a place where people wait for judgment to go to hell. And you're going to see this real clear in just a moment. Now, if you, this wouldn't happen to you, but if this happened, but it wouldn't, but if it did, you understand? All right. If, if you were, were arrested this afternoon for having a kilo of cocaine, right? So you, 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 you've got with intent to distribute, okay? They will take you and book you and they will put you in the county jail. Ultimately, you will stand trial, and you will be sentenced, and then you will go to prison. Right? The prison and the jail are very much alike, but there's a difference. You haven't stood before the judge yet. The difference between Hades and hell is you haven't stood before the judge yet. Right? But they are basically, they're basically the same. Right? Now, you're going to notice it talks about having a place next to Abraham or Abraham's bosom. Right? Righteous people, before Jesus paid the price for their, their, their sins, were kept in this place called paradise or Abraham's bosom. And it's also referred to in the Bible as captivity. Because those people, although they, were, they had believed, their sins hadn't been paid for yet. And so they were kept captive until the price was paid. Right? Now, it's kind of like when I was little, all right, down on, on 28th Street, there was a place called Robert Hall. How many remember Robert Hall? You all old, you all so old, all right? And, and I was, I don't know how old I was. I'm five, six years old, four years, I don't know. But my parents took me to get my first suit, right? This was back in the days where you wore suits to church. Praise God, those days are gone. They made me wear this today, by the way. They made me. All right. Is that not true? Yeah, come on, just admit it. It's true. All right. So, so, so we went to buy a suit. And I don't know if it was 12 bucks or 15 bucks or whatever it was, but we didn't have that much money. So we put $5 down. And they kept it on layaway. And we came back the next week and put some more money down. And we came back the next week and put some more money down. And back the next week and put more money until finally we had it paid for and then we could take it home. Literally what God did in Old Testament saints before Jesus, God had them kept on layaway. He had them kept in this place called paradise or Abraham's bosom because you had a place next to Abraham or captivity. In Ephesians chapter 4 says that when Jesus arose from the dead, he led a train of captives. Some of your translations say that, that literally he led captivity captive. All right? Jesus took all of those people who'd been waiting for their sins to be paid for when he arose from the dead and he took them to heaven. But we find here that they're still there. All right. Verse 24. Well, verse 23. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted his eyes. He saw Abraham afar off, Lazarus at his side. 
And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he put the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember in your lifetime you received good things. Likewise, Lazarus evil, but now he's comforted. You're tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. And then he said, I beg you, Father, that you'd send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them. At least they come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham. But if one goes from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Now, to, to understand this, 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 this whole, whole parable, the Bible says that, that Lazarus dies, but it says that angels carried him. Now, when Lazarus died, they took his body and they put it in a pulper's tomb. That's where his body went, but that's not where he went. The Bible says angels carried him. In James chapter 1, the last verse says, as the body without the spirit is dead. In other words, when the real you, the spirit that lives on the inside, steps out of your body, the body is dead. What makes that body alive is the real you that lives on the inside of that body. We all know we're not a body. If, if you cut your hand off, you're not any less you. You're just as much you, right? You're part of your body's gone, but part of you's not gone because the real you is a spirit. Now, when you die, the real you that lives on the inside of your body will step out. And instantly, angels will carry you. Faster than the speed of light you will be taken to one of two locations. Again, there's only two places. You're either going to be in the presence of God or separated from his presence in a place of torment. Jesus said was made for the devil and his angels, not for people. But if you're not right with God, it's the only place that you can go, right? Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, let me just read a little portion here. Paul says, I know a man in Christ, whether four, in 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows how such was one was caught up to the third heaven. I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. How he was caught up to paradise, heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. So here's what theologians say. Paul is talking about himself. He's saying, 14 years ago, I went to heaven. I saw things, I heard things I can't even talk about. Right? Now, here's what he said twice. I don't know if I went in my body or if I went out of my body. God knows. I know I went. I just don't know if I went in my body or out of my body. Now, I want you to ask this. Listen, here's my question. If you went to Costco without your body, would you miss it? People, you laugh, but this is a really important question. Because the answer is no. 1 Corinthians 15 says there is a physical or natural body and there is a spiritual body. In other words, your spirit has a body. Now, God is a spirit. Jesus said so, John chapter 4. Does God have a body? Go look at this. You'll look really smart. You know. Moses said, God, show me your glory. God said, let me put you right here in this cave. I'm going to put my hand over the cave. I'm going to walk by, and after I walk by, I'll take my hand away, and you can see my back. Does God have a body or not? Yeah. Yes. 
Is it a physical body? No. It's a spiritual body. Is it real? Yeah. But it's not a physical body. So, so understand this. You have, a, you are a spirit, and that spirit has a body. You say, what does it look like? You. <laughs> Probably a skinnier version, I'm hoping. All right. All right. So the, the, the beggar, he's carried by the angels to Abraham's side. Right? The rich man also died and was buried. Now, every person who dies, angels carry. So that means a couple of things. Number one, nobody haunts a house. You cannot stay and haunt the house. Right? You can't do it. Right? The Bible says it's appointed for a man, Hebrews chapter 9, to die. And after that, a cow. No. You don't come back as a cow. You don't come back as a dog. Certainly you don't come back as a cat. You know, unless you were really bad. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Nobody comes back. All right. It, there is not this cycle. It's appointed for a man to die once. And after that, the judgment. Right. So you, you, you don't keep coming back. And, and, and I might just say to also, you know, no one sticks around as an ascended master. You know, they, they tell us, oh, there's these people that lived thousands of years ago and they're ascended masters and they're just kind of floating around and you open yourself up and you contact them and they'll teach you how to live. No, no, it's appointed for a man to die once and after that, the judgment. Now, the devil does want people to believe that and the Bible refers to those spirits as familiar spirits. They're actually demons. Saul went and tried to talk to one. It says, so Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, and for consulting and asking of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. He never talked to Samuel. He talked to it. He talked to a demon spirit imposter. Right? Nobody sticks around to haunt houses, comes back, or sticks around to be some sort of an ascended master. So it was the beggar died, carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Listen, they, they took that rich man, and, and he, he, was, he knew, you know, I'm going to die someday. He had it all thought out. I'm, I'm sure they had prepared a great eulogy. He had an expensive casket or burial plot. They put up a nice marble marker, all right? And people think, well, somebody dies, that's the end of the story. But that's not the end of the story. That is just the beginning because you step into the eternal realm. You might live here to be 70, 80, 90, 100, 120 years. But uh, you're going to live someplace forever and ever and ever. After the stars fall from the sky like ripe autumn leaves, you will live on forever. The rich man, and being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. He saw Lazarus afar off, Abraham, that is, he saw, saw, how does it go? Lift up his eyes. He saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom or at his side. Now, notice he recognizes Lazarus. People said, am I going to know my, my relatives when I get to heaven? Are you going to know my friends? Absolutely. You'll recognize them. They'll recognize you. In fact, again and again in the Old Testament, when someone dies, it says they're gathered to their people. They're gathered to their people. 
When someone dies, we have a memorial service and we grieve. But you need to understand, in heaven, they're having a service too. Because you're gathered to your people, your family, your friends. They're going to be there. You get there, they're going to go, ah, you made it. We wondered for a while if you were going to make it, but you made it. And you're going to have a party. You will party. All right? We cry in heaven, they shout. Right? And really, we cry for us. Because if they're in Christ, Paul said, it is far better. It's not better. It's far better. All right? They have entered into the joy of the Lord. All right? So being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. He saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus at his side. Now, and he says, Abraham, have mercy. Have mercy on me. Listen, there is one place in the universe there is no mercy. That's once you die and you're in that place of torment. There is no mercy. It is too late. Because when you die, you're sealed. You're right with God or you're not right with God. And he says, have mercy. And Abraham has to explain to him, you're in that place where there is no mercy. If he had asked for mercy five minutes, two minutes before he died, there was mercy. The sinner went to the temple. Jesus said, that tax collector, and he beat his chest and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said he went to his house justified not the other, not the person who thought all his good works were going to make him right. But he lifts up his eyes and sees him and he says, Father Abraham, have Lazarus put the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in torment in this flame. One of the ways Jesus described, he says, it's, it's a place where the, where the flame never stops, where there's wailing, gnashing of teeth. But notice, let him put the tip of his finger in water cool my tongue now both of them their bodies are in the grave right but yet he lifts up his eyes now by the way if you have eyes how many of you will will just give me this you got a head if you've got a finger you got a hand and an arm right if you got a if you got a tongue you got a mouth see because your spiritual body looks like your physical body in all the same ways hands eyes, mouth, and can perceive pain the same as a physical body can perceive pain. And so he's in torment, and he wants mercy. But Abraham says to him, no, 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 you're in that place. There's no mercy. He says, you know, in your lifetime, you receive good things, Lazarus, evil things, bad things. But now he's comforted, and you're tormented. And he says, and there's this gulf fixed that cannot be passed. Let me say this, there's also a gulf between us and God. In, in all of our good works, all of our good intentions, our prayers, our candles, whatever it is that we do, cannot cross that gap. The only thing that crosses that gap between us and God is the blood of Jesus. What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That his blood paid for your sin and my sin. So he cried, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to put the dip of his finger in water, cool my tongue in this flame. And he explains, there's this great gulf, and I can't pass to you. You cannot come to us. 
again, right before he died, as long as you're alive, you can get right with God. There is mercy. But your works can't save you. The psalmist said no one can ever redeem himself or pay his own ransom to God. For the price for himself is too high. It can never be that he will live on forever and avoid the sight of the abyss or of Hades. He's saying all of your works, all of my works, we cannot redeem ourselves. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said he, he prayed and he said, God, if there is another way to save humanity, do it. But there just wasn't another way. Jesus is the only way. He said, I beg you, therefore, send them to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that they may not that he may testify to them, lest they come to this place of torment. I've had people say to me, well, I, I want to go to hell. All my friends are going to be there. We are going to party. Heaven is going to be boring. I hope we dealt with boring heaven last week, right? Not so. But, but this man, he doesn't want anybody that he knows to come to that place of torment. People don't understand that hell is a place of separation. You're not going to party. One of the, 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 the things that, that hell is called is the bottomless pit. How many of you ever, you, you've been asleep and you get this sensation like you're falling and you like, wake up like that? You know? In hell, you're falling continually. You're alone continually. It's not, it's not a party. It's the bottomless pit. It's the place of, of wailing, of crying out, of regret, of gnashing of teeth. It's the loneliest place on the universe, in the universe. Send them to my father's house. At least they also come to this place of torment. He says, well, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no. Now, this is why he's in hell, right there, right there. He's not in hell because he's rich. Abraham was rich. Solomon was rich. David was rich. Lots of rich people going to heaven. Right? But he's in hell because he said no to the Bible. Moses and the prophets, the part of the Bible they had, he said, let them, let them go to the Bible. And he said, no, no, not going to go to the Bible. Right? Now, listen. He's been in hell for 2,000 years. He's there today. Right? Because he said no to the word of God. He said no to Jesus. He said no to repentance. He said no, Jesus, you're not the only way. And he will be there forever. Forever. His soul said no to God and to his word. But there's only one way to be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. If you say no, someday you will join that rich man. You'll be right there with him. According to Jesus, hell knows no sound except for weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell's, it's an abiding place, but it's not a resting place because there's torment day and night forever and ever. And every one of us, we need to say yes to what this man said no to. He said no to the word of God, no to Jesus, no to repentance, no to God. But we need to say yes.
Romans 10 says it like this. It says, if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Listen, God doesn't want a single person in hell. See, what, what, what happens is this. We can go God's way or we can go our way. And when we go our way and refuse to go God's way, that's where we'll end up. Anyone not found written in the book of life, the Bible says, will be cast into the lake of fire. And the only way into that book of life is when we receive Jesus as the Lord of our life. It says in Revelation 23, and they cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, set a seal over him. You know, I pray that not one person that's here today will be thrown into that pit. But God offers it. There, there is a hell to shun. There is a heaven to gain. The devil who deceived them, he was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone with the beast and the false prophet are and tormented day and night forever and ever. But really, we're talking about hell. But let me just tell you, one of the things that makes heaven great, one of the things is what's not in heaven. Right? What is not there? I would begin by saying the devil is not there. There is no death. There's no rape. No ambulance. There's not even aspirin in heaven. There's no pain, no sickness, no depression, no fear, no anxiety, no aging. We're all going to be 30 and skinny. No sin, no night, no missing children, no moth, no rust, no thieves, no abortion, no divorce court, no bankruptcy, no psychiatric ward, no treatment center, no pot, pornography, no molestations, no alcohol. No teen suicide, no cancer, no AIDS, no drugs, no prejudice, no racial tension, no, no drive-by shootings, no misunderstandings, no injustice, no hurt feelings, no gossip, no emptiness, no war, no child abuse, no worry, no, no broken hearts, no accidents, no suffering, no bad habits, no decay, no locks, no regrets, no sin, no devil to resist. But the Bible says that God will be there, and he will be with them. He will be their God, and they will be his people.